Hello and welcome to the Why Football podcast for another instalment of The Chat with me, Michael Dryden and Etches Adokru. Today, I'm very pleased to say we are joined by Andrew Thompson. Andrew has written for You Are My Arsenal and Get German Football News and has contributed to the Guna Talk. Andrew joins us today as we discuss Arsenal's recent mini resurgence under Mikel Arteta and what the January transfer window may hold. So, Andrew, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, good then. Thanks for having me on the show, actually. It's really good to have you on. I've yeah, seen quite a few of your your tweets um, heavily. Yeah, I really, really liked your opinions on quite a few things, which we'll get into uh, in a bit. But to kick things off, I think, to put it bluntly, why were Arsenal so bad? Because every week I was watching them, uh, it was tearful for me to watch. Uh, I think, what was it? Five draws. No, five five losses, two draws. We had the Pepe red cards, the Xhaka red cards, Villa 3-0. And it's pretty doom and gloom. But what was it that was so bad about Arsenal at that time? It wasn't just the, re- the results. It was also the performances, I felt. Yeah, I think for me, it's... Um... <laughs> I guess you kind of have to think back to, to Emery and you could say, you know, and I think alarm bells for me and maybe some others as well were kind of, you know, sounding then. It's, you know, we were getting results, but the manner of the results and the data behind the results kind of painted a different picture that this was clearly not sustainable. And then, you yeah. know, Arteta came in and kind of, you know, the ship got righted a little bit in a certain way, but then moving forward, I just feel like the balance is just so off. I mean, and to many, it was kind of clear what we needed at the time, we didn't really necessarily have. Um, but also, but beyond that, I think a lot of the player performances as well. It's, it's not just, you know, maybe we're lacking the creativity, which I think we can all agree we were. <laughs> but I think performances also, just, we, we just weren't at the races from the beginning. Um, people were underperforming, you know, from from players like Oba, underperforming to, you know, other key players as well. It was tricky. And I think that sort of exacerbated the problems that already existed, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in terms of you know, things that were lacking, it was a lot of things. <laughs> I still yeah. think in, in some ways we are still lacking a few things as well. And I think um, we're getting a little bit of a shot in the arm at the moment from players like Emil Spithrow and uh, Bukayo Saka performing. I think despite their projected growth as players, I think currently they're both maybe performing higher than what we expected at the moment for them in terms of their progressions. And, and we can't really rely on that at but so much, you know, when you we do things like you bring in players like uh, Nicola Pepe, who just for me has not settled at all. He's not been, um, uh, you, you look, you look at the player deals. He's one of the, the 20 largest signings in, in football history, really. And you look at the, the, the measure of what he's done by comparison to the financial outlay we've put on him. It's, that's an example of that <laughs> players don't always work out. And when they don't work out, when you make an investment, it can kind of put, you know, kind of a monkey wrench into the gears and you, you spend that, that, that good contract on William. He hasn't performed. Uh, Obis had a big snag. He hasn't really performed. Yeah. Um, so you're looking at, and you look at the nature of the team and I was just tweeting about this before. It's that we're now settled at the back now. Structurally, we're a bit better, but we're still lacking the, that, that real big consistent goal presence, right? That, 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 that measure amount of creativity that we really don't have in the side. No one expected the Mesut Ozil situation to come off the way it did post his um, his contract extension. So there's a lot of questions, really. Um, some of us, some of them are, are out of our control. Some of them have been in our control. We've maybe just made the wrong decisions. Um, but for me, moving forward, I think all those things will come good just as long as we no longer have a rotation, <laughs> like that revolving door in terms of who the brass are. 
you know what I mean? We've had, essentially, we've had three regimes in the last three years, you know, the end of the Wenger regime, then it moved into the Raul and Emery, that didn't work out. And then now we're on to Arteta with Edu and Vinay. It's like, it's essentially the third regime at the club in very short order. So it's really hard to progress as a club on the pitch when off the pitch. There's still so many questions at board level, at management level, um, at, at, you know, technical staff level. So if we nail that down, you'll finally, th- I think you'll finally see movement on the pitch. I think we're starting to see that now where better decisions are being made in certain areas. Hopefully that continues and hopefully that solves problems. So this is really just as we move forward. Yeah, no, I think um, if you wanted to listen to a, a, a whole piece or read a whole piece about why Arsenal are so bad, you've literally listed <laughs> points on and off the pitch in, 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 in the ballpark. I think, well, funnily enough, when you were talking about a lot of those things, from not just the pitch, the board level, not just from the board level to certain players, to the contracts, it's arguments I've had or discussions I've had with my friends, whether they want to hear it or not, constantly recently. And it's refreshing to hear because sometimes uh, it, it feels like it's really obvious and it the club don't do it or they do make these errors and you're wondering where it all goes wrong. I think to, to, to take you a few points back in terms of why they're so bad. I think you hit the nail on the head of the Nicolas Pepe one in particular, because, uh, you know, there's an assumption in football, you pay more money, which means that the player is definitely going to be better for your club and, and settle. And that hasn't really been uh, the case uh, for him. It's interesting your point on Emil Smith-Rowe as well, in terms of their performing better. So how would you think, you know, we're talking about what they need to improve on, and you've mentioned that, why they were so bad. How do we man? How do you think Arsenal should manage the whole Emil Smith and Saka situation? Because you're right, we we can't take a 20 and 19 year old and say, okay, now for the remainder of the season, you're our two starters, and you can't really come off like they did against Newcastle, where they didn't start. Because as you mentioned with the Willian and Pepe thing, the options from the bench aren't as strong at the moment. This is a tricky one. I, I I've toyed at this one <laughs> six or seven times, and it's hard to think that there's a right answer per se. Because uh, because I'm so heavily invested and, and knowledgeable about things like the Bundesliga, where when you have talented young players that have proven themselves, you run with them and you let them play. Even if you're at a bigger club, you, you yeah. allow it. You know what I mean? So from that perspective, it's normal for me to see players like Emil Swithrow and Bukayo Saka come into the team, perform, and keep their place inside of Levin. Look at Leverkusen as an example. They sold Kai Havertz, but they're going with Florian Vitz as, a, as his replacement, and he's 17. But he's performed, so they're running with it. So they, they could have spent to replace Havertz, but they didn't. They just went through the academy, found a replacement that was like for like, and he's shining now. He's been one of the one of the best, you know, under nineteen players in the league this year. So that's an, that's an example of how it can work. But for us, it's a little bit different because you know we've got a, a tough league fixture period coming up. We're still uh, in FA Cup. We have Europa League coming up, and really. Smith is the only player that can play in that sort of 10, 10-ish role at the club right now. You know, you could argue that maybe in a pinch you throw someone like Willie in there because he had some appearances there for Chelsea and shot in Brazil over the years, but it's not really the same. And I don't think he was bought for that reason. Um, so if something was to happen to, to, to ESR and he went down with an injury, say just worst case scenario, he gets injured the remainder of the season. We have no one that can fill that role. And again, and then we're back to square one. So, how I would personally solve it is, is you have to strike the balance between bringing in somebody who can play in that role but doesn't block his pathway to performing and to getting minutes if those are required based off of how he's been performing. So I think the short-term solution could have easily been you bring in someone on a loan with the caveat that, listen, like you're in on loan, but you're here for depth. Like 
this is his spot right now. You run with it. Like you, the worst thing a player sees at a club when they're coming through is when they've been performing, getting those starts, and then you thank them by buying someone better than them, and then you immediately stop their progression. That's the quickest way to get a player to leave. And that's that's kind of why we might be in that same Balogun situation right now. He has no pathway to first team minutes at the club right now. So what's his incentive to stay? You know, what would his would Smith Rosen's have to be to stay if we, we went out and bought someone like, say, for argument's sake, everyone likes to talk about someone like Emmy Buendia as an example. There are people who were mentioning Marcel Zapitzer from Leipzig as well. Those are two players who in theory would come in in that 10 role and usurp ESR automatically. Why would you want to stay at the club anymore? So it's 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 tricky to find that balance. So I do think you still have to you still have to play with them. It's clear, and that Newcastle match was a prime example. We were so worse off without Saka and Smith Rowe playing together. You brought Lock on as well. You have that triumvirate of players right now that really mesh on the pitch tactically, technically. They read each other well. The combination play is there. You kind of have to highlight that now moving forward, don't you? It's, they've sort of forced our hand, but on the caveat is that when you have a heavy fixture list, when you're in the Premier League, which is a league that relies on such athleticism and being able to stay fit constantly, you still need the depth. So yeah. it's just about finding the balance between letting your young players play when they've proven themselves, but also making sure that you don't run them into the dirt with too much heavy minutes. You know, you do still need that rotation. Um, so you could go out and buy someone in the market. You know, players in the world do exist that are happy to go to a club like Arsenal to be to get minutes at that club, but also know that their role is that they're a squad player. There are plenty of players in world football that can do that, and and happy to. Um, and that's what respect to their careers, obviously. So someone like James Milner is a prime example. He can play three or four roles for a club. He knows he's not going to start every week, but when he does get minutes, he knows he he knows he's relied upon when he does feature. So. Yeah, that, that reminds me of a, a tweet you you put out, the uh, Bob and Dia. Uh, you did some analysis on Julian Brandt, which I'm really, really interested to read. And uh, you spoke about that quite a lot, right? You spoke about the whole issue of a 24-year-old player, which I believe Bundia is uh, coming in at that. He plays wide, but ideally they want him to play centrally if the rumours are true. And you mentioned, you know, quite extensively there, the issue of, rightly, as you said, what does it say to Smith Rowe if you then say, okay, this guy's four years senior to you, but he's still a young player or coming into his prime. He then blocks that path. I mean, Balogun is similar. He is 20, I believe, or 19. Similar with Eddie Nketiah. He's looking at that. He's looking at Lacazette and Abemi thinking, you know, where um, where do I play? Uh, I think that's kind of the, the the issue in terms of how you how you work it out, and I, I do agree with you that it's a very difficult situation to balance uh, and to kind of solve. Um, before um, I kind of move, move on, there's one more player I wanted to kind of discuss, and he he's kind of he's actually got praise really recently, but before then he he kind of just left it, and that was um, Pablo Mari. So obviously he came in on loan when Arsenal were linked with Matiavenko and a whole host of CBs that people had heard of. And then he came in and then got injured against, I think it was City back in June. And then he's had his situation now where he's played. And I've kind of wanted to see your, what's your view on him? So I've, I've quite liked him personally. And obviously we've got Gabriel and Holding, but it's more of a case of, do you think he should keep his place now going forward or when Gabriel's fully fit post-COVID, which I believe is now, he should come back into partner Holding? I mean, it's another tricky one because your instinct says that, you know, if, if you want to persist with Gabriel as a long-term first-choice left center back for the back four, then you want to get him back into playing form as quickly as you can. 
but on the flip side, Mari has been working. So again, it's, it's about striking that balance. And this is, I think, where a lot of managers might come up against against the wall a little bit. You know, a lot of them, a lot of managers, even a lot of fans as well, want to get their perceived best players back in the eleven as quickly as possible. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But if something is in form and working, you don't have to rush it on that first chance you get. It could be the, the third chance you get. Yep. You know, if, if Mari's been working, again, same thing. You don't want to just immediately drop him. It, it, and and you can look at his performance and say there's not even anything that's been alarming about him. He's been solid. He's been very solid. Even with that perceived, you know, he does. He's not the quickest center back, is he? But he's proven himself to be intelligent. Bar, bar that one rash tackle that people were always going to want to mention, he he kind of went in late. I forget who it was on, honestly. Um, I think it's Kovacic against yes, Chelsea. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. And people will cite that as you know that's that's the issue with him. It's like well. But is it? Because you've only seen it once, and he's gotten better, and he's progressed since that since that point. Um, so for me, it's yeah. I think um, I think you just ease Gabriel back in, especially because of the nature of. And depending on where you fall on on the scientific debate, obviously I'm no expert, but there's so many um, reported issues that players can have, or anyone can have post COVID with post COVID symptoms. So you don't even have to necessarily rush Gabriel back either. You know, so it's just like yeah. if, if Mario is working at the moment, you stay with it, you ease him back, and worst case scenario, then maybe you start to mix and match the, the, uh, the pairing space of who you're playing. If you're playing a side who is more dominant in the air, maybe you need more physical center back. Maybe you start Mario a little bit. If you need Gabriel's pace at the back, then you then you begin to rotate him back into the side again and see how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, and again, there's no rush to it. You know. Presumably moving forward, starting at the beginning of next season, Gabriel would be, no matter what happens, by that point, he'd still be first choice for left center back. So, But again, if Mario's working, again, you can mix and match. So you do have to balance again. It's the same thing you look at, um, just one more example, like I, I use Leipzig as an example. Everyone talks about Kanate and Upamecano, but Philly Orban is still there and still performing even though he's not the flashy name, even though he's not as quick as they are, but there's still a role for him to play and a very important one at that. So they still, Nagelsmann still strikes the balance at the back with finding, making sure there's enough time for all three to play and perform. And as long as they gel on the pitch, it's kind of all that matters. So we can have a similar scenario here for the rest of the season. Uh, just again, you, you, the best pairing that works on the day, maybe you roll with that. And then once the see, summer comes around, you know, you can press the reset button and then you're back to someone, something like, you know, Gabriel Holding or whatever it might be moving forward. So, yeah, no, we're going to come on to the summer and obviously the window um, shortly. But we discussed earlier in one of your points about, we discussed it, uh, Emma Smith Rowe. Saka is obviously marvelous, as we all know. And we know why Arsenal is so bad with your perfect summary earlier. <laughs> um, and it, it, we're aware of what's been key to the improvement. So the quicker, tempo in terms of play and the goals but one thing you actually touched on was scoring so I know Arsenal struggle with goals and generally under Arteta and obviously Abemiang, the issues were present last season as you mentioned earlier but one of my worries with Arsenal currently is not that they're not scoring goals but they don't actually have that many goal scorers currently playing in their best team so uh, someone asked me a fantasy question about Emil Smith-Rowe I won't um, say who it was and he said uh, <laughs> me yeah, it was it was you, and, he, and it was more of a case of will will. No, it wasn't just you; it was someone else as well. And it was more of a case about will Emma Smith Rowe get loads of goals up at Kaiosaka. Personally, I don't really see them as guys who will get you ten goals, which is normally the benchmark, right? So, how do you think Arsenal should kind of combat this? 
this lack of goal issue, which isn't present now, but I think will rear its head again. Because if you look at that starting 11, a bar of Bemiang wide and maybe Lacazette, I think they're lacking goals, as in particular Bemiang, because he's been off form. Oh, and <laughs> this is where we're going to get into the territory where I see a lot of opinions that fans don't want to hear. But for me, goals are more indicative of how you play. It's not who you play. Okay. So the issue with Oba, and, I, and, and Christ, I've said this for for years, and, and I'll kind of roll the clock back a little bit. People don't really realize that Aubameyang had a very average first season at Dortmund, a very average first season to the point where Dortmund were actually considering selling him yeah. after after his first year. It wasn't until Tuchel came in and through injuries, Oba got his chance at center forward. And even then he didn't settle yet. You know, he was first choice there because of injuries during the Hindu he didn't score very many goals, but in like the first, the last two or three matches for the, the winter pause, Tuchel really kind of tweaked the system and then Oba exploded for goals. The whole thing is that he tweaked the system to get the best goal production out of Obayang, who at okay. that point in time wasn't suited to how Dortmund were playing, but he changed how Dortmund played to suit Obayang's instincts in the box. What we have now at Arsenal under Arteta, and I think Arteta's made it clear himself, just not even with words, it's by actions, right? So no matter how poor Lacazette's form was, he would always choose Lacazette as center forward. More often than not, because he's a more expensive center forward. He can hold up play. He can combine play well. Oba is instinctually, he's a, he's a, he's a goal poacher. He thrives on people getting him chances. Lacazette is more expensive in terms of, and he said himself, he wants to bring others involved into play. And if you can really get a system around a lot of players who can play together and create chances for each other, the goals will start coming, which is why I think you're now starting to see us, even if we're not scoring three or four goals a game, the kind of chances that we are getting created for ourselves with that combination that we have seen with Lacazette, Smithrow, Saka, even with Martinelli when he was in, that's how we're going to get more goals, right? So we might not need a goal scorer who's going to get 20, 25 goals in a year. If you have a front four of players who are all getting between 10 and 15 goals a season, that's in the league particularly, that's really not that bad. And then of course you have the residual goals you'll get from set pieces from your center backs, one or two here, one or two there from someone like Tierney who does get forward. You know, if you can add some, some goals in midfield, you know, you're up there with goal scoring. Right. Um, so again, it all just depends on how you really kind of how you play. Um, yeah. So I think for me that the question should be, it's just finding the, the, the front four, that works and, and just finding goals residually in your game as well. And when you play more expansive football, chances will present themselves eventually, but you need that understanding in the final third. And for me, that's why I think moving forward, we're going to see less and less of Aubameyang because he's not that kind of player to, to play that system. You know, it, 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 I mean, you just, if you just watch him for over the run of games, you just see it. Like how many times is he just, he's, he's, he's waiting to get the ball. He's not waiting to be involved in, in the play, in, in the move. Sometimes he can be, yes, but generally speaking, he's on the periphery and he's hoping to get that final pass, that final cutback. You saw it for the goal against Newcastle, uh, the Tierney cutback. That's a classical bombing goal. I've seen that goal a hundred times over. <laughs> you, you saw it so many times at Dortmund. You saw it when we first bought him for Arsenal. And that's when that famous that famous quote about us being cutback FC came up. We became cutback FC because we wanted to get a bombing on the end of the cutback. So there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're playing against teams that can defend, that chance is no longer there. And if that's your only chance you're getting for your one player to score a goal, you're never going to win. 
you're never going to reliably score goals. So you have to be able to reliably create chances for three, four, and five of your players. That's why Liverpool score the amount of goals they do. City score the amount of goals they do. Other teams as well. Prime Barcelona, it wasn't just getting Messi on the end of a chance. It was Messi, it was Suarez, it was Neymar, it was the midfielders, it was you know Pedro when he was there. It was three, four, and five players who would get into dangerous positions, not just getting your one goal scorer into a dangerous position. So I think that's how we offset the goal issue. I think Lacazette can actually get you 15 goals in the league without a problem if we're playing in a way that suits him. And now we're playing in a way that suits Lacazette more so. I think you're seeing it now. And that's why the goal scoring for him is starting to really kick off. I don't think it's just going to be a spurt again. You know, you, you, He's now having to track back less because you have that connection from Smithrow connecting the midfielders to Lacazette. So now he's not dropping back to midfield to get the ball anymore like you have seen yep. earlier parts of the season. Yep. Um, you see the that that mobility and versatility in, in Saka because he'll pop up in, in the center channel and next time he's out wide on the right, he might pop up on the left. You've seen that the interchanging play from a front three or a front four that's far more modern and expansive that we've kind of missed in the last couple of years. So I think it's only a matter of over time. If you add one or two key pieces in the spine so you allow your expressive players to go and express themselves, the goals will come. For me, that's, that's, that's that simple for me. I was interested there you didn't mention um, the young Eddie and Ketia. And I'm wondering, do you think that Aubameyang logic used applied there alongside Lacazette and how Lacazette differs, do you think that also applies to Nketiah? I think so. And, and it's, it's tricky because I don't have, <laughs> again, it's kind of weird, I don't have the attachment to academy products that a lot of players do <laughs> because mo- most times most academy products do not have long careers at the club they came through at most of them will be sold on or their deals will run down and they go on a free and i kind of use this analogy a lot with a lot of people is that if ix kept every good young player they've ever had they'd have a squad of 95 players <laughs> because they produce, they produce player after player after player after player, but most of them leave. Whether it's because they go to a, a bigger league than the Eredivisie, with no disrespect, or it's because they were good at youth level, but they never quite made the grade for the first team. And there's nothing wrong with that. For me, Enketia just hasn't shown enough in the first team in his appearances to, to make me think that he can be the first choice leading the line, you know, post Lacazette and Aubameyang. And yes, he hasn't gotten a whole host of starting chances but even when you're getting minutes you have to show something consistently in the minutes that you do get to make to make anybody think you know we should persist here and and for me i don't think Nketiah does i just think he works hard bless him for that you know he has popped up with some key goals he does you know mm. but i think he's more akin to an obama than a lacazette i think and I think the angst around the fans is that a lot of people assume that Balogun would have been the one that would have been more close to lacazette than Aubameyang. And now we don't know if we're going to keep with Balogun. He might leave. So then the question then became, well, we might have to dip into the market now. Who do you go for? A lot of people were <laughs> tossing around, you know, um, uh, Edson Edward from um, from Celtic as, a, as, as an option because he's more close to a Lacazette type player maybe. Um, there are some other maybe under the radar signings that you could that you could postulate about targets that club could go for. But I, do, I don't think that and Kent is going to be that player for the club. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's no disrespect to him. And it's disappointing, but I think it makes more sense to, to sell him to a, a mid-tier Premier League club or a leading championship club for 15, 20 million and you reinvest that money in, 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 a, in a bigger need that we have at the moment. Center forward's not a massive need yet. It will be, but for me, you know, center mid's a bigger need at the moment. So, yeah. 
yeah, sell them to a well, sell them for 15 million, 20 million to a Premier League club and perhaps put a buyback in. Liverpool have been very good with that in recent years. Yeah. Um, perhaps an option. Um, perhaps Enketi is too he's too good to let go at the minute if the squad isn't big enough. Uh, but it just isn't quite good enough to make the first team. And that is, that's difficult for a young player because they end up in that kind of purgatory where they're not getting minutes, but they're too <laughs> too valuable to let go. Yeah. But, um, it's a real shame for players like that. But hopefully he'll get a chance elsewhere or he'll come through at Arsenal. So mo- moving on, Andrew, now um, to the January transfer window, which we're currently in, and we'll touch on the, the summer window that'll be coming up, obviously, the summer. Uh, so to kick things off on that, which areas do you think Arsenal need to prioritise? I mean, we've touched on it a little bit. You mentioned Umpa Vecano as a, as a as a target or a link that was made, um, obviously, in the centre-back mould. Uh, you said earlier you really think they should sign James Milner. Just... <laughs> How dare you, Miss Courtney? <laughs> that's going to be the preview. Uh... Fair enough. I've walked into this once. My fault. <laughs> um, for me, I think the January should be more about outgoings and incomings. Um, if you can get short-term things to, to maybe fill some holes until until the summer, I'd be fine with that. I do think if we were going to spend money in January. I think it makes a lot more sense to go after a central option. Um, for me, yeah, I don't, I don't have the same stick that people beat Granit Xhaka with as an example. I do think that when he does perform, he's key, but I do think that a lot of times when he doesn't perform, it's completely detrimental to the side. So I mean, we haven't really seen Thomas Partey yet because he's been injured. We haven't really seen him bedded in yet. But there's questions about every other central player we have. Is Joe Willick good enough? Will Gendouzi have a future because he didn't get on with Arteta? What's going on with Malin Niles? What is he? Is he a midfielder? Is he a, a, you know, is he a six? Is he a right back? Who knows what he is? You know, who knows what his future is <laughs> going to be? Um, we don't know how people like uh, Kathleen Suryan are going to get on. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with Aziz's projections. So there's so many questions around the center of the park for us. I think it makes sense for the club to really get an option there, whether if it's January or the summer, for me, that's gotta be the priority. You know, someone like a Basuma would be absolutely phenomenal. And I, and I know that he might be the, the, like the fresh name at the minute, but I think he gives you, he's slightly similar to Partey in terms of that he doesn't just sit and shield. He's not that kind of player, yeah. but he does go hunt the ball. And when you have one player that can hunt and one player that can sit and then they can rotate the next player can hunt and the other player can sit, it gives you, it gives the players in front of the, ahead of them, knowing that they have players that are both press assistant because both can carry the possession. Um, they both have decent distribution. They both can run all day long. So you don't have to worry about, you know, maybe covering ground. It, and it makes the responsibilities reduced on someone like, for example, Emil Swithrow, where he doesn't have to always track back and try to come get the ball because you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Arsenal's really lacked that kind of central midfield pairing for a while now. I mean, a decade. And I, I don't really, and when I say that, I was kind of want to vomit a little bit because <laughs> it's frustrating to that level where we've really lacked that just a central pairing that you can really build around and build and move forward with. You know, I think for me, we, we've had so many brilliant attacking players come and go at the club. That's never been an issue. The center of the park's been an issue for us really since Patrick Vieira. Really, I mean, we had a little bit, a little bit of a bright spot there, obviously with, with Sesk, but he wasn't here long enough, and that pains me to say it. You know, we had that that one or two year span where Kazola and Cochrane worked quite well, but 
it was short-termism. It wasn't really a long-term solution. We haven't really had long-term solutions in Senator Park that have come off. And I think one of the issues with Jack Wilshire's career is we were hoping that he was going to be part of that, and then it was quick with injuries. You know, Ramsey, maybe, same thing, injuries. He's been used, he was utilized in three or four different ways. We didn't really know what he was going to become. So I think for me, that's got to be the priority. You know, you've got good spine options now with me. Gabriel's come in. Holdings proved himself to be reliable, at least. And then we have, hopefully, Saliba long-term if he decides to stay. So you have that nailed down now. You've got attacking options long-term now in Smithrow, Saka, Martinelli. You've, you have that now. You know, so now for me, the question is, who is gonna, who are you going to sit next to party right now? And, and we don't know. Xhaka could easily leave and go back to Germany and, and reestablish his career. We don't know. You'd hope Genduzi gets on, but we don't know. You know, it's easy that we, we could end up just selling him to her if they decide to stomach the cash. You never, you never really know. So for me, I think that's got to be the goal for us right now. And I don't think it would happen in January. I think you're looking at more of a summer thing. I think January has got to be to keep clearing the decks. You've seen it, a couple of players being rumored to, to be leaving. You know, yeah, that's the big thing to get those wages off the books in preparation for a summer spend to really kind of nail down those one or two key additions that we really do need to go from mid table where we are currently to at least getting us back into a Europa League spot. And then from there, the tiered progression is within a year or two of that, you want to get back to the Champions League. So that's how I would personally build it out and how I kind of structure the next six months. Yeah, yeah. you had me smiling when you mentioned the word Champions League because... Um, yeah, I miss it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss it. I miss it. I miss it dearly. I think hit the nail on the head in terms of the midfield options. I think um, Arsenal for a long time have lacked that. You've gone through the chronologically as time has passed, the options that we've had there and what they brought and what they didn't bring. I think, yeah, Thomas Partey is signed as the the now shiny new player to kind of partly solve that. And I think there is this big question mark in terms of who the other player will be or what they may look like. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a tricky one. I kind of... Out of all of Arsenal midfielders, right? So you mentioned Willock, is he good enough? We mentioned Danny Sabas. You, you didn't mention Danny Sabas too much because he's on loan. Uh, we've got yeah. Elmini, Xhaka... And there's probably a few others I've forgotten as well. If summer has come round, who stays and who goes? I see this all the time on loads of news articles and channels. <laughs> but from from your perspective, who really stays and who goes? Because I can see Basuma coming in great, but that area is also quite bloated with players I think are very similar. And not necessarily similar, but also aren't providing enough, whether it's enough drive, whether it's being pressure resistant, whether it's being dynamic in some cases. And it's a case of who do you think should stay and go out of that current crop to to support uh, Thomas Partey? Oh, boy. Uh, okay, so I, I think Jacka would actually, I think he'd prefer to stay because I, I do think he, he likes being at the club. I think Arteta rates him. I think that's also clear whenever he's fit and available, he's starting. I think that kind of tells you what the manager thinks. I think if there were question marks, he'd maybe try something else. Um, I think if if Kanduzi can get on board on a mental level and and show that bit of maturity and and really come to terms with what happened before and humble himself a bit, I think he'd have a future because I do think he could offer something that wouldn't require us to go out into the market to get it. I think if you look at Kanduzi, you can maybe see some similarities that the Suma has. Not every salary, but some of them for sure. So if you that that just that saves you fifty million pounds of brand you're gonna want automatically. So yeah. I think Doozy would stay if those things come off. So you have those three players right there. I think because we have players like Aziz and so yeah, increasingly training with the first team, I think they might be trying to fast track them and at least starting next year, getting them some Europa League minutes, some cup minutes. So you might have to add them into the squad. 
I think Elmeni will probably go, although I do think he does a job, but I kind of feel like I, I just don't think he does it consistently well enough. Again, it's more of like when he does it well, he does it very well. But then when he does it poorly, it's just you just shake your head and you don't know what to make of it kind of thing. And I yeah. think for Arteta, I think consistency is key, which is why holding is being rewarded as user because holding has been consistent. I think if you're consistent, that's all Arteta wants you to do. Just be consistent, right? And we have so many decent to good players that don't show that consistency that gives us the question marks. Um, I think Maitland Niles will end up leaving. Um, again, I'm just going to lump him into the midfielder role because he's third choice right back. So to me, he's not really a right back. I think he's more of a midfielder. I think he's more suited to be more of a midfielder. I don't, and I don't see him having a future there. So I think he'll go. I think Aduja will go. Um, I think, I don't think we'll bring Sabayos back, but also to his own admission, Sabayos wants to try to make it at Real Madrid. You know, he wants to try. I think he's, I think he's more comfortable in Spain. I don't think he's getting the minutes here that he wants either. So again, it's kind of that same thing. Does he want to be a squad player here? I highly doubt that. So yeah, no, and I think I think that's so you get Sabios's uh, weights off the books. You, you can get a return for um, someone like Elnani. Won't be a lot, but you'll just get the weights off. I, I, Willock again. I, I I think he's one of those academy products who you log the fact that he came through. You log the fact that he did a, a relatively solid job when he was playing. But is he good enough to move us forward? Will he ever be a first first player? Probably not. Would he be good enough to be a, a, a decent squad player? He could be, but if that's not what he wants, then I think we'd end up selling. You can get a good return because you're going to have that um, the homegrown tax now because of the way that things are going with Brexit, with the new rules. Someone will want to pick up someone that can fill that homegrown quota if they're lacking, and he can play for a club, you know, similar of uh, Brighton stature as an example. You know, he can still have a decent club career. So you're looking at maybe some money back off of that um, in terms of incomings I, I like basuma but again we're still lacking some creativity in midfield you don't just want all your creative players to be your wingers your your your, your 10 if you use a 10 um, or a striker if he's kind of in a, a reduced role you do want some creative nuance in the field so and jack is really the only one that can do that right now and it's only <laughs> it's only a particular type of creativity that um that he provides you know he doesn't really progress the ball himself it's all about yep. I do, I do like a good, beautiful line splitting pass. Who doesn't? <laughs> like a good <laughs> diagonal. You love those two. Yeah. But you do want someone like that Cazorla role where he could pick the ball up in midfield and drive play when there was no pass available. Sess could do that quite well. Rosiski could do the same thing. We're lacking that. So that's why someone like a Julian Brent would make sense. It's not that I want to go out and get Brent, although I rate him, but someone who has that ability to be press assistant that can carry the ball that, and, and also be creative as well. I think we might be if 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 Shaka does leave, or if we're okay with bringing in a player who can play in that same position but be a little bit different to him in in the terms of that, then that should be a target as well. So some creativity in midfield, lightening the load because I do think we have a lot of similar profiles in midfield as well. I think they all kind of excel in the same two or three aspects of, of midfield play, but they don't separate themselves enough from each other. And they're all the same weaknesses, and none of them are creative enough to maybe say that we should persist with them. Yeah. So. Yes, it's, it's, it's tricky. Again, this is like our, our squad balance is horrific. <laughs> this, shows that, <laughs> this shows that we haven't really planned the squad out well at all in the last three, four, five years. And the sooner we get that on track, the better. And then we can finally kind of take things forward. So, yeah. So, you, I mean, you touched on the summer uh, earlier. And my final question was going to be is it worth signing now or wait for the summer clear out? I think you answered that before. And you do think <laughs> it's worth waiting, wait, worth waiting for the summer clear outs uh 
we have the likes of Socrates, Mustafi, David Luiz, uh, Ozil, um, that will be out of contract and that will free up a lot of wage. That gives Arsenal finally some some room to manoeuvre. Um, so we've obviously last summer there was big the big OR and party um, debacles. Obviously, party came in. Uh, what do you see, or how do you see Arsenal um, performing in the summer in the transfer window? It's going to be tough because the, the project last summer won't necessarily be how we can sell the project this coming summer. If yep. we don't get Europe, there's not going to be a, very many players we can actively go out there and, and try to convince them of the project at current. Because whether we like it or not, yes, the Premier League has to draw. Yes, big wages have to draw. But players of the level that we're likely to want to target still want to play in Europe. At the time last summer, we could at least offer Europa League to someone like Partey, who is actually an Arsenal supporter dating back to his childhood. I know a lot of players say that, but apparently it's been like a documented thing. So maybe we had a bit of more of a pull for that. But if you but if you start talking about players like, you know, Sabitzer, for an example, what incentive does Sabitzer have from coming from a club in, in Leipzig that are genuinely challenging Bayern domestically while also making deep runs in Champions League? Why would he want to come to a Europe last yeah. like a European lacking Arsenal at that moment? Wages aren't going to be enough. So you have to get smarter in the market, right? You have to go find players from smaller market clubs from smaller market leagues who want to challenge themselves in that step up like unfortunately we have to look at the way we're building a squad right now kind of like how saints used to how they were just on the cusp of europe but they still could offer Premier League football so they got someone like a sadio mani in who did quite well for them and went on and went to liverpool not that i'm saying we should buy players and then look to sell them to liverpool but it's more of like you have to go <laughs> after we can't be going after those big big draws anymore we're not at that level in our iteration as a club right now we used to be but we're not now so if we're honest with ourselves about where the club is at the minute it tells you the players we should be going for or are able to really fight for you know um so i just think a smart premier league buy would be key again i i think a club like arsenal would be a good get uh, in terms of where Basuma can go we are a bigger club than brighton you know we have bigger expectations we do have that french pull and that that french west african pull so I think he'd be, he'd make perfect sense to go for it as a, as a player, but there's so there's so much talent across Europe. And the thing with me that has frustrated me for years is that Arsenal has never been the one to bring in the player before the player was looking for the big move after they got their upgrade move. So for an example, you know when when Ndidi went from Genk to Leicester, and now you look at how good Ndidi is, he's developed the Leicester since coming. That's the kind of move that Arsenal now finds itself in the position that we should be going after. We should be going to, you know, the Belgian Pro League, looking at players that do quite perform well and bringing them into Arsenal now and growing with them over a project. That's where we're at. That's the kind of player we should be getting. Um, and, and it's also affordable because, again, you know, with, with the nature of COVID, the nature of how football finance has been drastically affected, we don't know. A lot of, for example, a lot of club chiefs in Germany are thinking that they're not going to have fans back at the beginning of next season either. You know, that's already been been projected now. Kroenke's um, taking out a loan just so we can stabilize the books in terms of how much we have to pay for the rest of this season. So we're not going to be able to go out and spend a ton of money, even if we clear wages off the books, we're probably not going to be able to spend more than we spent this summer, especially if we don't get Europe. You know, that's another 30, 40 million in the bank that we're going to be missing out on, even just by missing out on the Europa League. So smart goodbyes of younger players who, within three years' time, when we're ready to move the club forward in the rebuild, like Edu was projecting, you want to get players that, when that three years has happened, they're now also hitting 
you know, when they're 24, 25, 26, and they're on the cusp of their prime. And now you've built with them and now you can win things with them. That's how you have to build for me. So I don't necessarily want to sit here and I could throw out 65 names, but it's more of like, that's just a kind of profile of player I think we should be getting. I think it's just time to be much smarter in the market than, than we've been in the past. And I think um, some of the buys that we have done this year and last season, um, I think we're, we're kind of trending in the right direction, but we just have to continue with it now. Yeah, no, I completely agree with what you're saying about the whole um, Arsenal to target players. So a good example is, before we sign Pepe, there are strong links that Arsenal are looking at Leandro Trossard. I'm not massively, oh, I am into my football a lot, but if I said to you and they are oh, and everything about Leandro Trossard, I'd never heard of him until that point. That, <laughs> that, that to me, though, was really encouraging because it's, it's what you just said, as I felt that Arsenal, I described it differently to you. What I said was Arsenal need to sign what I called B-level players who have the potential to become an A-star players but haven't yet had the chance to do it. And, yes. and and that's why I was quite encouraged by those links because, you know, you could be rubbish, you could be awful, whatever, but, you know, the price will be lower, the fees will be lower, he comes in, does well, and then, you know, you get a fantastic player in your hands and, and Diddy is a good example for Leicester. My concern actually has been some of the players they've mentioned in previous years have been quite um, good and when they've been linked and they've come in, like Winduzi is a good example, but actually what I found with Arsenal lately is the players that they've been linked with, everyone knows about. You know, everyone knows Amy Bendia, everyone knows about uh, Kieran Tierney. I know he was at Celtic and there are risks over his injury record, but I'm not really actually seeing Arsenal at the moment. There are a few names I've heard loosely, but we're really, really being linked with that player, you know, that guy from maybe France. I know he did sign Gabriel Mahalez, but then you look at the profile and the hype that he actually had when he moved, it was a bit different to maybe if we signed Fafana. I know we had Saliba and that's different, but I haven't really been seeing Arsenal linked to those types of players. So are you, are you confident they'll actually do it or will they do what they have done, which seems to be spend on your parties, uh, bigger contracts to your Bemiangs and Williams, spending record amounts on Pepe because that was only, what, two summers ago? Yeah. I think for me, now that Raul's no longer at the club, I think you'll get your answer. I think you'll see it this summer. I think a lot of the spending that we have done was generated by Raul, who, you know, before he was at Barcelona, he was an executive at Nike. So it was all about relationships, you know, and, and, and at Barca, it was all about getting big name players in every signing. And you, again, you look at the nature of the Pepe deal that has Raul written all over. Not only did we drastically overspend on him in terms of the fee, but, you know, things like, the fact that he was taking money out of the deal, you know, the fact that, you know, you look at the William contract, how that was structured, Raul was still here. It's like that just like, to me, it doesn't seem like how we would ideally operate in the long term. I think it was short termism because it was one, maybe one of those situations where it's either this or nothing. Hmm. But I think long term, I think hopefully you're looking at smarter buys. You're looking at more, those more Martinelli buys. Um, players of that oak. Um, and again, there's so many players I could I could list. You know, if we're, long term, if we're in for a forward um, who can play in multiple roles on, on the front line, you can think about someone like Nico Gonzalez at Stuttgart as an example. Like, but a lot of people won't know who he is. But if you're looking at the type of player that he is, that's kind of all that matters. Not, it shouldn't be about the, the the size of the name and lights anymore. It's got to be about does this player fit what Arteta wants? Can we genuinely afford it? And are they projected to, to be something later on? You know, again, Pepe, the thing that frustrated me about the Pepe deal so much is that, yes, he performed well in France, but look at 
the system that he performed in and then look at the fact that Emery didn't even want him. And and that doesn't mean I think we should have kept Emery, but I think it was telling that Emery wanted somebody else and we ended up buying someone that the manager didn't even want. That kind of tells you how things we were, how we were being run in terms of players we were targeting before, which is completely off. Yep. It wasn't about it wasn't about fit. It was about name. It was about trying to draw fans and trying to again get them to be excited, kind of thing. What what Josh obviously said. So, um, I don't know what we're going to do, but I think some of the trending ones that we have done are promising. Tierney, um, Gabriel, although he came with hype, it still wasn't someone like Ubukana, which the fans won't shut up about. <laughs> like. You know, Tierney, again, Tierney, Gabriel Martinelli, you have Gabriel from, from Lille, those kind of signs I think are going to be the ones that we might look to moving forward. Again, kind of like, you know, Martinelli was a complete unknown to anyone in Europe, really. And Tierney and, and Gabriel from Lille, they were both kind of B-level that have potential. I think if we if we target those kind of players in that between 20 and 30 million bracket ones that we can afford that won't require massive wages that have massive upside that can be something within two or three years as the rebuild continues. If we keep signing players like that, then I think we'll be in really good shape by the time we're ready to kick on. Um, Andrew, thank you so much for, for coming on. That's brilliant insight. Um, it was great to hear <laughs> to devote, devote Arsenal fans discuss Arsenal who have been on everyone's lips this season in some, in some way, shape or form, given the, the, the form the form book and the transfer links but yeah thank you Andrew and uh, good luck with your future endeavours thank you for coming on yeah, thanks for having me it was a great pleasure to talk to you boys alright cheers well guys see you next week